A spokesperson for NATO has said the warehouse had long been suspected of being under the control of the Russian mafia. Arson investigators are working to determine how the blaze started. Many of the bodies found are believed to be prostitutes and are most likely sinless. More details to follow. Over to you, Todd. Whew. Terminator's gonna be pissed. Yes, he will. Which means there'll probably be a pretty high bounty on the suka. Hello chums, and welcome back to another episode of Deniable Assets. This is our fifth episode. Not a major accomplishment, but we'll take every little milestone we can get. Five episodes is better than no episodes, and we thought it'd be a good time to talk to you about a very important part of the shadows. Organized crime. As we've said in previous episodes, Shadowrunners share this shadowy world with other groups. These include common criminals, terrorists, go-gangers, and some of the world's oldest organizations. One of these groups is the Vori V. Zakon. Hope I'm saying that right. Which roughly translates to Thieves in Law. And I've also heard it called Thieves of the Code. The Vori, or the Russian Mafia as they're still called in the UCAS, is not the largest of the organized crime syndicates in the world. But what they lack in membership, they more than make up for in ruthless brutality. Nothing is safe when the Vori are involved. Other syndicates may have rules when it comes to retaliation. Many in the Italian divisions of the Mafia label innocents as children, reporters, and any people not directly involved in the life. Cops are only targeted for hits under special circumstances, and they will likely back down when the right bribe or threat is applied. The Vori, they don't have those rules. Anyone is a target. Bystanders are just collateral damage. And no one is safe when the Vori puts you in their crosshairs. Now these are some scary customers. They deal in beetles, drugs, prostitutions, gun running, and they have also proven to be effective at DOS extortion attacks. I've also heard that they've got their fingers in a lot of the goblin rock and exploitation rap. Hez Music is suspected of having ties to the Vori, and they use their concerts, especially those in the Emerald City, to push their beetles and other drugs. Then Hez turns around and provides the money laundering. That's right, chummers. Chances are, if you went to that concert last night, that you were actually surrounded by the Vori. But to truly understand the Vori and just how dangerous they are, it's important for us to take a look back into their history, all the way back to a time before magic had returned to our world, when Russia was an empire. The Vori can trace their roots back to the 1700s, during which time Russia was still ruled by the Tsars. The vast majority of the population were peasants who lived in poverty. The Vori began as Robin Hood-like figures, stealing from the government and giving back to the people. These men would be given hero-like status among the population, and soon they began to form their own groups, each establishing codes of conduct. All of them were based around two things, absolute loyalty, and total opposition to the government. In 1917, the age of the Russian Empire ended when the Bolsheviks ousted the Tsarist regime, later murdering the entire Romanov family. Vladimir Lenin attempted to crush the Vori after they robbed him. Well, he was part of the government now, but he failed to do so, and the Vori survived into his successor, Yosef Stalin. 
Now, that man is a whole other bag of crazy that is beyond the scope of this show, but it's important to mention because his actions directly shape the face of the modern boy. Stalin, a brutal dictator, sent millions of criminals to the Soviet labor camps known as gulags. Here, unaffiliated criminals could rub shoulders with members of the Vori and work their way into the organizations. This is where the introduction of intricate, cryptic tattoos began to become commonplace. These tattoos helped to symbolize the person's position in the group, as well as their deeds. But with the outbreak of the Second World War, this is where the Vori lost the Robin Hood persona. Stalin, desperate for men to fight against the invading German army, offered prisoners a choice. Join the glorious Red Army and fight the fascist invader and be granted your freedom, or stay in prison and rot. Now many prisoners took the opportunity. If not to defend their nation from the Nazis, then at least to be out of the hellish gulags. Now this story does not, however, have a happy ending. With the defeat of Germany and peace, at least temporarily, being restored to the world, Stalin called takesy-backsies on his promise to the prisoners, throwing them right back into jail. These returning prisoners were not, however, greeted well by their comrades. For these men had broken one of the golden rules of the Vori. Do not ally with the government. This led to resentment between the two groups, causing those that left to fight to separate themselves from those that did not. And this led to them also collaborating with prison officials. Doing so granted them luxuries not afforded to other prisoners and made prisons seem more like a mandatory vacation than a debt to society. These returning prisoners and traitors to the Vori were called Suki, which means bitch. And from the end of the war in 1945 to the mid-1950s marked a period of time known as the Bitch Wars. But with the death of Joseph Stalin in 1953, millions of prisoners were released from these gulags. These prisoners and members of the Vori that survived the Bitch Wars would be the new face of the Vori Visa Khan. Now, no longer bound by the strict rules of the old Vori, they adopted more of an every-man-for-themselves approach. With the corruption in the Soviet government worsening with each year, the Vori grew and grew. And by the 1990s, any city in Europe with a population of over 300,000 had a sizable number of Vori. Now previously, there had been a restriction against military service even having served in the past barred a person from entry into the Vori. But around this time, that restriction was lifted and the collapse of the Soviet Union greatly swelled their ranks. And around 2016, a group label labeled Avtoritet, or The Authority, took notice and began managing the black market and arms smuggling trade, while the Vori handled the street level violence. Now, these members of the Authority tended to be people in prominent positions or had connections to trusted lieutenants. They mostly approached this as a way to get rich quick. Didn't always work out, but for the crazy brave, it paid off big time. The Vori in Seattle today are led by Tsar Alexander Bilotki, also known as the Terminator. Normally, the Vori fall into two categories. You have the Reds, which I believe Alexander is part of. The Reds maintain strong ties to Moscow. Since he arrived, the Terminator has done quite a bit of house cleaning, taking out most of the Vori in Seattle, who followed too closely with Western Vori ideals. He's heavily cybered up, and he's not quick to anger. 
that there is a reason they call him the Terminator. Behind the Terminator is a less scary figure, and that is Sergei Antonov. Mr. Antonov functions as the Tsar's Sovietnik. He's basically the top advisor and accountant. He works for the Russian oil company NOR. And this is how the Terminator maintains his near constant contact with Moscow. Now these two men that call the shots at the top of the Vori food chain in Seattle. If you want to see what Antonov looks like, check out his social media. He is a public figure after all. That man is jacked, by the way. He's an amateur bodybuilder. Bodybuilder? <laughs> Hell, he could be a professional fighter with the way he looks. But let's move on before we give ourselves an inferiority complex. <laughs> Not like we don't already have one. The Vori can't bring to bear the same resources as other syndicates like the Yakuza or the cartels. They make up for this lack of power in absolute brutality. Other organizations may try to smooth things over, have smooth transitions, do it quietly, out of the public eye, ruffle as few feathers as possible. Not so with the Vori. They stop short of tagging their name above the murder scene, and I'm not kidding. I've heard it said that one way to tell when the Vori have moved in is to look for the pile of corpses that used to be the criminals who thought that this was their turf. The Vori are not afraid of prison. To them, it's a rite of passage. They've sunk their hooks into the prison system, but it's not like the old days of the old Soviet prisons. The Vori employ all manner of tactics to ensure cooperation among those connected to them, intimidation being one of the most often used. This will run from breaking bones to destroying property or the truly terrifying prospect of coming home to find an advoritet sitting down with your wife or children, basically letting you know that he can hurt your family without actually having to say it. They also use bribery, which is not itself uncommon to organized crime, but again, the Vori will push this to an uncomfortable level because they won't send these bribes to you. No, 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 no. They'll send them to your wife or girlfriend. And if you're a single parent, they'll find a way to drop the, these expensive toys off to your kids. And they'll always make sure that you know who the gifts are from. Now, when it comes to their operations, the Vori aren't really that different from many other syndicates. Loan sharking to prostitution to information, bro to information brokering, these guys haven't really reinvented the game. They have, however, made it more efficient. God. I feel nasty using it like this, but they have. They have a lot of money, and they'll let you know it if they're falling on hard times. I mean, everyone needs a little financial help every once in a while. They use loan sharking as a way to launder funds from their other illegal operations. And they've basically folded their protection racket into it as well. Sending shadow runners to get the money that is owed to them by businesses. Because sending one of their own would kind of send mixed signals. One thing the Vori are good at is Ponzi or Pyramid schemes. Now, for those of you that either don't know what these mean, or you've heard them used by reporters on the TRID, well, let me educate you. Basically, Ponzi and Pyramid schemes are a fancy way of saying a hustle. You know, ever been on the yard and a guy comes up to you and says that he's got a great deal, you give him two cigarettes, and at the end of the week he'll give you back six? You think, hell yes, it's boring as hell in prison and smoking is the only luxury I have here. 
So you give him two smokes, and then lo and behold, next week, you get back six. Well, now he tells you to get four other people to pay over two cigarettes, and then that'll gradually increase the gains that you get in return. Long story short, eventually you're waiting for the big payday, and it never comes because you find out this jackass is transferred to another cell block, and you're spending the night pissed off and angry because you're detoxing off nicotine. <laughs> I mean... That's a weird example. Um, I mean, it's a real unique example and a little bit oversimplified, but I mean, I guess it hits all the right markers for being a pyramid scheme. Ponzi schemes generally target older people, and they don't always have a lot of money, so it can be sad seeing elderly people losing everything they own because a silver-tongued devil came in and took them for all they're worth. Mostly, your high-ranking of Toratet are going to be running real estate scams. These are usually targeted toward wealthy investors with little business sense. Now when it comes to recruiting, the Vori have taken to hiring on gangs to protect their assets. These aren't large gangs by any means, and you've probably never heard of any of them, but that's kind of the point. They're unknowns. The Vori bring them in, show them just enough of the rope so they aren't a liability, and they play along with their big brothers and sisters. Now, the actual members themselves? Well, there ain't so many of them. At last guess, there's maybe a hundred members to the Vori here in Seattle. They followed the Tsar over and make up the backbone of his fighting force. While you won't see them in large groups, they do tend to stick to packs of four or five. In short, chums, tread carefully when dealing with the Vori. They are mean, and they'll rip your head off as soon as take a look at you. Now, while you won't often get jobs from these people, they're not against hiring Shadowrunners to do work. Though the work you will perform will most likely be outside the purview of their operations, it's not uncommon to get caught in the crossfire of warring factions within the organization. The nation of Russia has a bloody, violent history. It only makes sense that this would rub off on its criminal underworld. While I would not recommend running afoul of any criminal syndicate, I will tell you that the Vori are the last ones you want to see hunting you. Your final moments will not be quick, and they will be painful. You know, Clean, we talked a lot about history today. History that most people probably haven't bothered to learn in this day and age, given that the world is filled with magic and impressive tech. That's true. Now, while I like to dive into the history of the world prior to the Awakening, there's a whole slew of history that happened afterward. And I'll admit, it's pretty interesting, too. Now, if you went to school and didn't pay attention in history class, or maybe you didn't need any of that fancy book learning stuff, check out Opti over at the Neo-Anarchist Podcast. He has an extensive, long-running, and detailed overview of the years since the Awakening. It's important to know where you come from, chummers, and Opti is just the man to tell you the roots of your shadow-running history. And if you just like knowing how the world ticks and what makes it work, or if you just feel like your life is just a roll of the die, you can check out the guys at Critical Glitch or Mr. Johnson over at the Arcology. It's okay. I hear he's good people. I mean, for a Johnson, that is. But until next time, I'm Mr. Clean. And I'm Wolf. And this has been Deniable Assets. Good night and good running, chummers. The music for Deniable Assets is written and performed by Johnny McClure and the Meltdowns. Support Deniable Assets team by donating to our Patreon. Email us at realdeniableassets at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at the Deniable Assets page. Oh,